right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast Fall Series Edition. Solly here, joined by my guy, DJ Pie. DJ, how was Patrick Cantlay's wedding? Uh, it was good, man. You know, no hat lines for anybody. Everybody was looking really nice and clean out there. No, I am sadly back in Milwaukee uh, where the weather has turned. It's it's a little chilly, but we're embracing it. You know, the, the leaves are changing. We've got Oktoberfest going on this weekend. It's it's feeling like the FedEx fall over here, Sally. Finally, you know, you just that feelings in the air. Fall hit today in Jacksonville. Long sleeves outdoors during the daytime for the first time since probably March. So, uh, congratulations. Just warn you, you're going to be getting a lot of text uh, this fall about how good <laughs> the weather is down here. Episode is brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the new Titleist T Series irons. We've heard from Randy, TC, and myself on how our iron fittings have gone. The Pie Man is up next. We're going to put him on the mm. stand and find out uh, how his transition into the uh, new T-Series is going. The Titleist approach to fitting is built on three dimensions of iron performance, distance, dispersion, and descent angle. Finding the optimal balance of all three will take your game to a whole new level of approach consistency. Go to Titleist.com to learn more and find a fitter or fitting event near you again your fitting cost goes towards the cost of your new clubs i don't know if people know that but i'm going to say that fifty thousand. i don't think i knew that yeah exactly so you got tuned into the podcast pie man well i mean i knew when, when you said it last time on the pod i knew it i wasn't just learning right now but i you know as of recent history i don't think i knew that you know sneaky a lot to talk about i mean we're still coming off uh the Ryder cup we got sanderson we had corn Ferry tour finals a lot happened there the dunhill is I don't know what's going on with the Dunhill right now. It's semi-rained out, mostly rained out. I don't know how they're going to finish that one. Uh, but as of the time of recording this, we are, they're only 36 holes their way through that tournament. We got LPGA. Uh, we had Epson Tour Finals. We got a bunch of other stuff that has happened this week. But sneaky fun finish to the Sanderson. It happened during witching hour of, this, of the afternoon football games. But hopefully people that too did got, they got a little treat. We got a five-man playoff this evening. It was a good lesson in expectations today. I think, you know, you, my expectations weren't high for the golf. We've, we've said on this, uh, on this here program many times, the fall golf is, it's what you want to make of it. It's, f- it's fairly optional from a viewing perspective, still a lot on the line and you still see guys get choked up and tearing up and all, all kinds of stuff. But man, between the kind of a great double on the old, uh, golf channel today with the corn Ferry tour finals uh hosted by our, our good friend shane bacon uh some good stuff to talk about there and then yeah kind of a sneaky fun chaotic weird finish to the sanderson where everybody looked like food poisoning going on just vomiting everywhere people are just throwing up all over themselves who wants it less always my favorite golf tournaments to watch is just guys clearly holding on for dear life and it's just really funny when you see these guys come out and you know they get out to 17 18 19 20 under par they look invincible and then something flips on those last like 12 holes and nobody can hit a fairway nobody can hit a green they're chipping you know they're trying to get up and down from everywhere it's just uh it was really really fun so congrats to luke list who was the uh you know last man standing in a a five-man playoff not how i thought that was uh necessarily going to end but uh just a, a really fun afternoon of watching golf it was it was so perfectly fall series which is we have uh ludwig obert uh ludwig obert again i don't know how to pronounce it uh despite how much we've talked about him 
in a playoff with uh, a former mortgage loan officer from a couple of years ago. Uh, we have uh, a, a guy recovering from the putting yips. Maybe, mm. maybe still has the putting yips uh, who eventually makes a 50 foot bomb uh, in the playoff to win the event. Uh, we have Scott Stallings who has uh, not won since 2014. Uh, we have Henrik Norlander who was a, a Swedish guy that was Patrick Reed's college teammate. It was just a, a, a glorious mix of guys. Carl Ewan, Dunked one from the uh, from the uh, fair from the fairway on the seventy first hole to get into what eventually what would get into the playoff. He bogeys eighteen, or else it would have been a six way playoff. Uh, Mark was, Hubbard three putts from twelve feet to miss out on the playoff. <laughs> uh, I, I think I saw that Lukeless winning uh, probability after he finished the tournament after he finished seventy two holes was three point two percent. Uh and Ben Griffin, man, I mean it was it was a real struggle down that back nine. Um he had a one shot lead play in the last hole, hit a decent drive. You could see the ball sitting up in the left rough. And I mean as soon as Smiley said it, Smiley gets on there and he's like, it's a left pin. All you got to do here, man, just find anything to the right and center of the green. Like, just cannot miss this left. Cap just cannot do it. I was like, oh my God, I know exactly where this ball is going pulls it left his family was there green side he couldn't get it up and down it was it was a tough scene I, I i feel like i i don't i still don't know a ton about ben griffin i think i would really like him i'm like kind of afraid to get into the ben griffin storyline but he seems like a great dude i don't want to regret saying that but he seems like a really likable guy and that was a, a tough scene yeah a bit of a, a figala light experience right when you know like oh this seems like a nice guy great story and then just the driver absolutely goes away on that back nine and he's just kind of holding on for for dear life so yeah being emotionally invested in that story would be would have been a tough way to uh to spend your day ball strike the shit out of it this week uh in jackson but yeah just could not find a drive it's, that's so it's just like what a scary place to be when the driver just goes away you have no prayer you're trying to go to the three wood three woods not working you're trying to go back to the driver that's not working it's just what an uncomfy place to <laughs> to spend four hours <laughs> trying to just hit fairways and I, what did he hit like three fairways today i say how would you like to be the uh the 54 hole leader come out and post the lowest strokes gain off the tee of the entire field 78 Ugh. uh of everybody that made the cut uh that played on sunday he lost 3.2 strokes off the tee alone and uh and it ended up in a playoff and lost it it was it was tough so not good not good uh good week for ludwig you know Got to be a, a little jet lagged going back. The only player from the Ryder Cup, obviously, to I, actually uh, is caddy. Jack was on my flight back from Rome to Chicago. And, you know, I was talking to him for a sec and like, oh, hey, you know, Godspeed getting back to Orlando. Say hey to Madeline for me. He's like, oh, no, man, like I'm I'm going to Mississippi I was, I, in my head. I was like, oh, cool. You must have like, I don't know. He must have picked up another bag or I guess he's caddying for someone else. And then flip it and they turn it out of like Friday. I was like, holy shit. Ludwig's playing this event. Why? But he's got to he's got to get his status locked up, you know. So he's he's uh took another big step towards that uh, with a with a T two finish this week. He's uh, honoring his commitment. You got to hand it to him. It's funny how I view I try to view everything Ludwig plays in with like he might be like Rom eventually. I'm like imagine John Rom in a playoff at the Sanderson. It's, it's right. every, if you view everything he does through the lens of like what he might be, which is potentially a top ten player in the world. It becomes that much more funny. I'm just like, oh yeah, remember when he's in a playoff with Henrik Nordlander? Uh, I think one of my one of my favorite things is when they. Uh, 
I think it's at Mayakoba. I think they have the plaque for John Rahm on the first tee. <laughs> like this is like where John Rahm hit his first professional his first professional golf shot or something like that. The fall, I don't know. The fall is weird. It's the fall is everything you you want to make it, you know, make it out to be. There's there's a lot of there's a rich text to pull from if you really want to get in there. I thought what you were gonna go with was when uh when we did, interviewed Tiger back in 2018 and we were asked him about, you know, I forget what the question was, something about that, but he, he goes to talk about uh the John Deere when he was like, you know, what when, when I lost to the gripper. The gripper. <laughs> and, yeah, and Fiori. And Fiori. <laughs> <laughs> first ed fiori reference here on the on the podcast in a while uh but that's that's how i pictured that one but uh yeah he's we're gonna see him i mean what a freaking month month and a half whatever that guy's had wins on the european tour almost wins uh the, the bmw pga championship goes two and two at the Ryder cup and then heads here and almost wins in a playoff uh as as he comes as the season comes comes to a, a close what are we how are we feeling about the fall series so far i think it uh Man, I tuned in on Friday night and it made me a little, just made me a little sad. It was bleak out there, like watching Nick Watney finish like seven shots off the cut line and stuff as they were coming in. It was uh, a shocking uh, Rolodex, Jason Duffner rolling through of just like, man, it's uh, it's such a weird period of guys just playing for status. It's like an extended um, Q school almost as we go, as we wrap up the season when it's I'm I'm in favor of it not being part of the FedEx season but man is it weird for the actual events once they're here it, totally uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through the leaderboard country music sensation Eric Cole continuing to try to yeah, rocket yeah, up some it's, imaginary leaderboard it's weird you could convince me that they absolutely should not have the first three rounds on TV for the reasons you mentioned just kind of kind of just a sad uh expensive experience for for everybody but uh once you know i mean once you get to that back nine on saturday or on sunday and you start to get a little bit of understanding of what things mean and you know the winner still gets in the masters and there's still the two-year exemption and there's still like there's still is good stuff on the line but yeah i'm, I'm with you on like thursday friday saturday i don't know that it, it's gonna be tough for a tv audience to to really get up for that but you know if you're if you're putting on your optimist hat they're still I'm sure raising a bunch of money for charity it's a oh, good yeah. thing to do in the in the town of jackson mississippi it's you know i'm sure people had a good time out at the event i don't know how they keep getting you know presenting sponsors to like pony up the dough for these things it feels like just a masterful sales job by the pga tour if you will <laughs> uh but uh you know like, like i said i got enough energy at you know October 8th, uh, 2023. I got enough energy for a, a good fun back nine in front of the TV, but I, I'm not going to pretend like I really watch too much else other than that. I think it's totally a, a reasonable thing. If you want to peak your, uh, your golf energy to peak this fall, like just the, the, the finish is all you need. Like the back nine's kind of all you need on that Sunday, right? Yeah, usually the, exactly. the Thursday to Sunday, uh, you know, get there is, is great for the Genesis, but, uh, not as much for this one. And DJ sent a message earlier saying, Hey, the next time the mules complain about anything, just remember you can get a million bucks for winning this tournament. I do need to uh, revise that statement uh, mm. because I'll, I'll I'll edit that to say the next time the mules complain about something, just know you can win one point four seven six million dollars for winning this Jeez. tournament, which uh, was a shocking amount uh, for a, for a winner of a fall series event. I did not know uh, this a, purse was that good. What a Ponzi scheme! That's that seems wild. Yeah. Huh. So. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Carl Ewan uh, seems dead set on like just making Instagram worthy clips. Uh, did, did you see his chipping motion uh, from early in the week from Greenside? 
Did you? I don't know. I oh. don't think I saw him in the creek. I saw him hitting the shot out of the water, but I don't think I saw the chipping thing. He had this weird, like, take the club back maybe 30% of, the, of how far back it should and having like an 80% follow through. <laughs> I'm, and, uh, and I was just like, man, and that clip kind of made its way around. I was just like, all right, this is fall series is ready to get weird, man. This is it. This is what we're going to get out of this. But he's a, and that's what guy, too. I need to get to know this dude. For sure. And that's what, that's what, uh, I wish the tour, I mean, it's, it's hard to like say, oh, this is what the tour should be doing. Cause they're trying to like keep the lights on and make sure that like they have an organization. Probably. I'm sure they're trying to figure that part out first is just like what, what's, you know, existentially happening to our, uh, to our sport. <laughs> but second on the list, <laughs> gotta tell, gotta tell better stories in the fall. Right. But it's, it's kind of thinking about your, you know, your, question there a second ago it's like what is this thing thursday friday saturday like trying to, it, my best to figure out what it means it's such a weird spot right now where you have these like elevated designated signature events right which is going to be what so many people are going to focus on because those are the biggest names and you know it's it's all the things that we've been riding for right like hey there's two pj tours anyways there's the upper level and the kind of quad a events and i know it's tough but like when you're really trying to tell this like these events kind of basically exist now to tell the story of seeding those quad a events right which as i say that out loud i'm like yeah i don't really know who i'm expecting to to really convince you know hey this is a worthwhile endeavor in october and during football season and during playoff baseball and all, all of these different things i know it's the 19th priority on people's lists, but the corn Ferry tour finals was a good reminder today too, of like the way things break almost like the butterfly effect, right? Like if you want like delayed gratification towards some of this stuff, eventually maybe Ben Griffin wins on tour and you got to see kind of like every step of the process, I think is the best sales pitch I can, I can give for it. Right. And like Ludwig's the most obvious example is like, yeah, maybe he goes on and wins a major someday and it all started like, here's his first PJ tour win, but there's other things too, right? There's like, you know, I'm looking at this leaderboard and CT pan, finished ninth and it looks like he moved up to 122 maybe he gets his card and then that means he gets into an event six months from now where he you know has a chance to win or something like that like if, if you really want to get into look at max like the the back the totally corn fairy that that got him got him his card and whatnot there is a there there's somebody's going to come out of this like having done really well it might be country music sensation eric cole like he was the 100%. he was the chart leaper last year i mean from he's the dude that sticks out sticks out to me as like emerged from the pack of mules so i i think again what while like the entire sports being ripped at the seams and we're trying to figure out you know what's going to happen with like the biggest names in the sport am i going to say with a straight face like hey this is the most important thing that you got to be keeping up on no, I'm not. But if you do want to see the entire arc of some of these guys' careers and you want to see kind of like how all the dominoes fall and how that butterfly effect happens, I, I think that's the best sales pitch for these events. And let me remind you, a lot of you on Twitter, a lot of people out there, you pretended like you liked this back when they were getting ready to redo a lot of stuff on the PG. It's a very good a lot of people were pretending like this is why they watch golf and they care the most about this. I think it's the stories, man. Come on. He's great story. Yeah, with the stories, the storytelling. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, there are some great stories that come of it. And listen, we're hardcore golf fans. We're going to cover it. But uh, yeah, just a, like, we, we see the engagement dip this time of year, right? I mean, this is not uh, uh, not not a lot of people keeping up with their promises on that front. Um, before we get into the next, thank God there was a cut, though, huh? Oh, seriously. <laughs> the cut cam was electric. That's what kind of was. Dylan Fratelli made like a 70-foot bomb from off the green to make the cut, which was a, a decently big pay, a little bit more of a payoff than Nick Watney, uh, you know, trying to get it in the house at, at plus two. Uh, this episode's brought to you by Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. If you don't know by now, Whoop is a sleek, screenless wearable that tracks your sleep, strain, recovery, stress, and more to provide personalized insights that help you reach your goals. Uh, whether you're obsessed with squeezing out a little more effort in the gym, trying to shoot your lowest score this summer, or get those extra hours of sleep a week, Whoop helps you build better habits and make healthier choices. Uh, I am still on a Whoop suspension. We're doing sleep training at home for somebody that's not me. I do not need to know how red I am uh, for two straight months. So I'm looking forward to the time period when I can put the Whoop back on. But taking TC's advice, and I don't need to know how my sleep uh, is going right now. And I'm ready to start getting back in shape. It's going back on regular features like strength trainer, stress monitor. You can finally track the intensity of your weightlifting or manage your stress levels with real-time stress score and science back breathwork. Try Whoop for one month free. Get ready to unlock the best version of yourself. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Get started. Use code NLU to save 10% off your order. Hi, man. This has been one of the more thrilling developments of my career i think over the last maybe week uh maybe week plus if you will um we all went as a crew to the Ryder cup at whistling straits and it was met with a big gigantic meh from the group in terms of the experience uh i spend the majority of my golf thinking time about this event and i left that one being like huh am i like am i way off on this one is this event way overhyped uh I'm watching you get transformed and just fixated on solving the Ryder Cup problem. This past week makes me feel so justified. I did a, it was a, a bit of a soul searching over the last couple of weeks of trying to figure out exactly why I do root for the U.S. And I feel like you, what you've been putting forth, uh, both privately and publicly, you wrote an article this week about how, where does the U.S. go from here, uh, basically. I feel like that's where my rooting interest comes from, is like this solving this puzzle of like this is a massively massively talented group of players that don the american flag likable or not i really intrigued to watch them try to beat europe and having had so little success doing it over the years and i feel like you're 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 along on that journey somewhat with me now is what's your what's this what's your status having a week to decompress from the Ryder cup yeah i think that's i think that's exactly right and i'm trying to think about why uh i was talking to somebody else and I think they kind of nailed it in that, like, you know, hate to <laughs> hate to just lay all this on these guys, but a lot easier to root for a team that doesn't have Bryson and Patrick Reed on it. Like, I think that's I think that's a pretty big part of it. When I was actually going down the list, I'm like, you know what? I like a lot of these guys more than I think I realized. There, there's still some that you know you can kind of you can take away certainly, but uh, there's a lot of guys I really like on here, and I'm totally with you that what really struck me on the flight home was just like, uh, how in the hell, uh, how did this happen? Like what, what is going on to keep causing this? It was the first one I'd ever been to uh, like the first road game that I had ever been to and seeing like, I, I wrote it, you know, in the piece, but like seeing that invasion of the body snatchers that first day, those first two sessions, really first like two and a half sessions 
was just like, what the hell happened? Who are these guys? Why did they not get off the bus? Why are these completely different players uh, that were like that we're watching than the guys that we're used to? And the idea of trying to f- answer that question and figure it out is so much more interesting than, you know, I, I just kind of, ah, I guess we'll see what happens next time. Like now I'm, I'm obs- now I'm obsessed, not necessarily because I'm like, feel some immense pride in team USA. Like I don't, you know, I don't really care too much either way, but there's just something fascinating about all the culture stuff that the Europeans do hearing a lot of it publicly, hearing some of it privately, like hearing all of these things that go into it from the European side to get more that, you know, increase the sum of their parts, right. And, and bring these rookies in and make them feel like they're 14 feet tall going to the first tee. Like that, that quote that came out uh, this week from Bob McIntyre about how he said, walking off the range or walking off the putting green to the first tee, like he, he thought he was going to start crying because he was so nervous and like having the built-in kind of, uh, you know, system or ideology or whatever for Rose to go over and just like tell him exactly what he needs, have something that, you know, it's all about having people you can lean on, of course, but like having him, you know, just have the presence of mind of like, Hey, we're all part of like the system here. Let me tell you what you need to hear. And we're going to get through this and we're going to figure it out. And we're going to go somehow scratch out a half point is like that's that's what it's all about. And so watching like the US kind of do the exact opposite of that seemingly show up and just, you know, almost have this like I don't know, just have this unbelievable wealth of talent that just doesn't make the trip seemingly or at least arrives 2 days late <laughs> is like man, how do we avoid that in the future is such a fascinating I don't know, just like cultural problem to to think about, and I've just it's been hard to turn off in my head. Yeah, I've been I've been beating myself up on uh, you know I base a lot of uh, a lot of my uh, golf existence around this event, covering it and trying to get as much information as I can about it, and totally, totally, totally underestimating how bad of a job Zach Johnson could do. Like I, I didn't, I just, I couldn't believe that there could be that much lost between Steve Stricker's 19 to nine win and this opening day session. Like I just could not believe that there could be that much loss because I had uneasy feelings going into Whistling Straits, listening to Steve Stricker talk about things. There's a general apathy about things and they just come out and they came out and pounced on them so hard and just absolutely stomped on them. And like, we're in the room talking about like, no, no, we're going for the record. Like we're, we want 19 points. Like Spieth telling the guys like 19 is the record. We're going to go get it. I did not think it was possible for that same ish group to come out this flat under a captain, that, a guy that was an assistant on that team. I just don't, I, I, I tended to believe that um, the Americans found the right culture environment for them. It's not going to be like the Europeans do it. It's not going to be the same rah, rah. It's not going to be the same season long approach to it that they take, but what they found, whatever it would be to make like work for them. I scoffed at competitive rest because I was like, Hey dude, like how long in advance do you know it's five weeks off between before the tournament? Like I bet these guys will show up prepared. Like they're very well prepared for that. We're not, uh, wasn't worried about the jet lag. Like, you know, you have plenty of time to adjust and all that. Nope. They weren't ready for that. And, I, I it, it just kind of blows my mind how things could crumble that far. Like a couple things that were very much in their control, 
Um, figuring out the pairings earlier definitely seems like something they could have done. Um, I, it, it's just mind blowing. And I, the biggest regret I have is talking myself into Ricky. I don't know where that came from. Everything in my head and heart would have told me like, Hey dude, like this isn't it. It wasn't it before he's returned to playing like the same kind of golf when he was already losing Ryder cup matches. Why will this way be different on the road? And, uh, I don't know. I've thought about a lot this week. I'm easier on myself than I was a week ago, but the, the Ricky one and, and, and underestimating ZJ's incapabilities, uh, is where the, the things I regret the most. It's almost like, it's almost like what happened with the, uh, the U S analytics team, right? Where it's like, okay, well, we've got like, we know Scotty's the best driver in the, in the world. We know that his iron play is this, we know his putting's a little shit. Like you have this whole data set of, about these guys that like, Hey, we've, we've tracked every fucking shot they've hit in the last 17 years. We have all of these things. Well, it doesn't really matter if like totally different players show up. That's a little bit of like how I feel about the team at large, right? Where it's like, well, we know that like, they're going to figure out the jet lag thing. Yeah. We know that they're going to figure out the pairings thing, right? Like, like those are assumptions. Like, of course they're going to do that stuff. I was like, well, what if they don't, right? <laughs> what if they shoot you <laughs> like, in the what face? They, what if they shot you in the face? And that's a little bit yeah. of, of how I'm feeling as I'm like, really, I don't know, just kind of taking it all in and listening to like, listening back to Max's, interview that he did uh with us last week and hearing hearing some of that stuff was really helpful thinking back on like i don't even know that we reacted enough in the moment but when kvv dropped on the sunday pod and was like oh hey you know according to like reporting i did out there uh brooks and scotty had absolutely no idea that they were going to play foursomes together they didn't know what golf ball they were going to play all that thing is like how the fuck is that still happening man like that's like a meme <laughs> That's like a meme of the event. And how are we back point? in 1999 talking about right. pay for play? Like how how far back? Like they going back and doing those last four European Ryder Cups, which isn't even the full extent of the losing streak that they've been on. That podcast was like, all right, guys. I mean, you've lost this every which way you possibly can. You had to have learned these lessons. Like Jim Furyk, you were on all on or captaining all of these teams. This had to get transferred over. And it just freaking didn't, man. And and I think that was like the crux of, you know, the what I wanted to write this week was was a little bit of that and a little bit of like what we talked about on the shows throughout the week. But it was like, man, I, I know the task force, like everybody kind of scoffs at it. But man, what a giant L to have those like, why are those guys in the room if they're not preparing this team for like exactly that stuff? For exact, like nobody has more experience losing away Ryder Cups than every fucking guy in that room, and like man, talk about just not even being able to lose the right way. <laughs> like, what the hell were they doing to to like prep these guys? It, it just, man, it struck me as just such a missed opportunity. And I'm I'm with you. It's like I, I don't. I want to be very clear. Like I don't think it's you know, oh, if the U.S. was, like, singing more songs in the right. team room, like, everything would be different. Oh, if they had their own Olay chant, like, it would be different. If they had better social media videos, it would be, like, it's some of that stuff. But, man, it's it's more just, like, figuring out any kind of culture that is, you know, it almost seemed like the rallying cry from reading all the interviews and seeing all the press conferences and stuff was like, oh, you know, we're just going to make these guys as comfortable as possible. And we're going to treat this like it's any other week. You know, we're just going to let these guys go do what they do. And, you know, that even to me, I was like, okay, well, sure. Like that sounds like a good game plan. And there's a different group of guys. 
But I was glad that we like also kind of hammered that on our preview pod, which was like, all right, just hand up, just raising a flag here real quick. Eight of these guys have still never played one of these things in Europe. What if they suck? Like, what if they, what if they just like glitch out a little bit? And I think, you know, from some of the press conference stuff and some of the stuff that's come out the last couple of days, it's like, I, I almost wonder if those eight guys, which are like big names, right? Like the horses that you've really needed to show up, Cantlay, Xander, Scotty, Max, obviously, but he ended up playing pretty good. Uh, you know, a, a lot of like Sam Burns, a lot of these guys that you, you really needed to show up and get some points. Like, I almost wonder if they needed to go through that experience this week to actually take it seriously. And again, to borrow a phrase from you, maybe that's me putting the clown paint back on because what I think realistically is going to happen. You talked yourself into 2027 yet? No, for sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. But only if, like, some things change culturally. And I think that includes the prep. That includes, like, the mindset and, like, the rallying cry. What are you guys actually playing this event for because it just reeks right now of playing it to like not lose. And I, I keep coming back to the line you said on Sunday, which was like all the, all the preparation and culture stuff that Europe does seems to lead to confidence and everything that us team does seems to lead to pressure. I think that's shout out zinger. I think that's exactly, exactly right. So I don't know. It's like what, what I realistically think will end up happening is these guys will be like, man, that sucked. We're going to fix it. We're going to dig our heels in. We're going to really, you know, make some changes. And then it's going to be right back to like, you know, well, the PJ tour versus live and the PIF and the Senate is doing this. And here's how field sizes are changing. And here's what's going on with the uh, majors qualifying and OWG. There's just going to be a million other distractions and then we're going to get you know a month out from beth page and it's gonna be like oh fuck we forgot to like make a culture uh watch this video you guys fired up and then they're gonna go out and they're gonna beat the shit out of them at beth page although maybe not that's a whole other conversation right it's like maybe europe is really making that their rallying cry now is like hey we've we've got the home ones dialed like let's go let's take this system and let's go like beat them on the road because that's kind of the as rory keeps saying like that's the most important thing kind of in this event right now is which team can kind of figure out that break point. And that's where it's like, I, I, I do not do not think we're overreacting to, to this loss in any way, but it is still, still to me, it's two separate things home and away. Right. I, I, yeah. I don't feel any differently about, about Beth page. I really don't. I, I still don't think they should have it there. I think they should move the location of that Ryder cup. I think it's <laughs> going to be that bad. Um, if they, if that's really close or if they definitely, if they lose that, then it's time to panic for sure. But once that one is in the rear view and again, going back 2008, us won easily 2012 outside of one of the most miraculous sessions of any sporting event I've ever seen. The U S dominated that one. They dominated Hazel team and they dominated in record fashion at whistling straights. Like that's, that's a 15 year sample size at this point, right? That's, that's not small to say like, it doesn't mean everything needs to be fixed for Beth page. They know how to do foursomes at home. They don't know how to do it on the road. That's the summary of the last 15 years, of the Ryder cup. So uh, that just is to say like, which, Hey, which sorry on that note, it like, I think that's what's so fascinating about this, right. Is like clearly once they got like a day or two into this competition, like they're back into feeling themselves and they're back into being like the, swaggy American team and they're feeling comfortable and they're doing all those things, which is where I just keep coming back to like, 
what the hell happened? How did how did you waste an entire day's points? Like, oh my god, man! They they the I keep going back to like the first session was obviously domination, but having three matches flip in the afternoon, you go five three into the next day. If that means it's nine seven, and then all of a sudden, like that singles board looked way different. I know it ended at six six, but that whole day would have been so different. We would have viewed this whole thing differently. I'm gonna throw a stat at you, Pi Man. I just looked this up while you were talking. The top two qualifiers on each of the last three road U.S. teams, okay, the top two points getters, right, like the top two dogs on each U.S. team, they have played 24 matches in the last three Ryder Cups in Europe. How many do you think they've won? Uh, Six. Three. Come on. Ricky went 0-2-3. Bubba went 0-3. Uh, Brooks and DJ, DJ went one and four Brooks went one, two and one. And then the top two qualifiers this time around were Scotty Scheffler and Wyndham Clark. Uh, Scotty went Oh, two and two and Wyndham Clark went one, one and one. Like they just, again, I, I, it, it, but it's, it's too big of a sample size of like your top dudes shitting the bed now to just pretend like, Hey, next time it's going to flip. Like it's totally going to flip guys. It's going to flip. It's like, all right, maybe we can try to answer this question as to why it is this way. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff to pick up on a lot of, I think good experience that can come from instead of, I feel like the previous group, again, this is clown makeup of here's a new way of convinced myself of this. The previous group just kept, kept thinking like, Oh, we'll try it again. Next, we'll, we'll do it again. Like next time we're going to play better. Whereas this group, it sounds like they're already trying to put the pieces together to be like, here's what needs to change. Here's exactly what we need to do. And here's how we're, we're going to tackle it. But so what do you think needs to change? Uh, I think there is a lot of culture stuff that, um, that needs to change in terms of pairings. It, it, it's hard. It's, it's such a deep conversation, right? Cause I, I feel like whenever you say culture stuff, it can it, it, people's minds in my mind even goes to like song singing and dancing and having fun and liking each other, which is, it's just way more complicated than that. Like uh, this whole entire structure of uh, knowing your role, knowing who you're going to be playing with um, having a, a, a incentive and a desire to sell out for your team and be uh, I, again, all the things that Europe does to elevate their play is just so not in their nature. Like, I just don't look at JT and I'm like, ah, yeah, I think he's totally going to flip on his head. Like his, uh, the way he views golf and the way he views this competition. I think that these guys are not doing their best job of checking their egos at the door and, and sacrificing for the team. I think you've hit on it a ton of it in your article. And I just don't, I still think they got to find their way. It's not going to be a full copy of Europe, but I don't know. I don't know how you can show up and, and shit the bed an eighth straight time. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, yeah. Well, I think like, I think there's a couple of things. I think an energy thing too. I, I, I think, but I think a lot of energy comes from like, like what that rallying cry is because right now it feels like in the crux of what I wrote. And I said this a lot on the, on the podcast with Max too, but I think a lot of the European players are there to kind of like write the next chapter in this book that they've all, they're all aware of, right? Like they've all read the same book. They all know the history. They all know like, Sevi, Ollie, Faldo, Woosdom, all these guys. Oh my God, these lions of the Ryder Cup. And they've got, you know, their lockers in the in the team room to just remind players. Like they they have all this history to build on. And their whole thing is like we are playing the next part in this. I feel like the US team doesn't have any of that. A, because the history sucks, right? And like 
there's just not a lot to, it's just like a losing culture in this event b i think like all their horses like all the guys that would be those you know lions all stunk in this event and it all like is kind of the rare like mar on their records right like nobody wants to talk about tigers Ryder cup record which is why i keep coming back to like i think the unifying thing for this is like all right chapter one starts now like fuck that man like i don't want to hear from any of these vice cap like no offense to anybody everybody in there's great but like we're starting over like i don't want to hear from zach johnson davis love fred couples i mean stewart sink i'm furic stricker like all, again all those guys are great but like what energy are they bringing to this event other than this like specter of oh man this has been going on for 30 years like i keep going back to john rom's comment about you know all week ollie is like jose maria lathobel just following me around telling me stories about the Ryder cup it's like man what stories do those guys have that are not just like well yeah we came in as the overwhelming favorites and ended up getting our ass kicked and we all turned on each other uh and you know just like turned out it wasn't great that's, right it's, yeah like what a weird energy that must be it, it, and it just feels like they have like it's very clear right and maybe i'm just been watching too much baseball but it's like you know you got a lot of guys under team control right now <laughs> i think we probably know it's going to be xander cantley scotty maybe. max <laughs> jt you know it, it's probably going to be those guys for a while so it's like just start over man figure out what it is that is going to make those guys feel that some sort of unity and some sort of like common goal and to me it just seems i kept writing it in there but it's like hey tiger could never do this probably whatever you guys do in your career like no everybody's going to measure it up against tiger here's one thing you can do that like he never was able to do like go take that forward and work on that for the next two years the next four years the next six years like that's your thing like you guys are the squad that's going to turn it around like go start over chapter one starts right now Part one of the many reasons I stumbled through my last answer to the question you asked, Ej, is what was going through my head was again I've I've recommend, recommended this a lot. Shane Ryan's Ryder Cup Run podcast talking about 1983 and like the birth of Seve. Like, go listen to that episode if you want to like understand culture and you want to understand the team aspect of this and how it all works and why there is a locker for Seve in uh, in the 2023 Ryder Cup. Like, that's the answer, right? Like, it's a total. It's it's not a simple podcast answer. It is like really complicated how that works. That's one thing. And two, the energy has to change. Like, I think there. I I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I was going to be coy and not say the name, but I think there's a name. I ran into him in the Philadelphia airport when we landed from Rome. We had lunch together. We talked Ryder Cup. I want him to come on the podcast soon and make the case for this. I want Hunter Mahan involved in the U.S. Ryder Cup team process. He had it pinpointed. He had an understanding of like exactly what kind of energy, what like the Paul Azinger energy did. I mean, we hear a lot about the pod system, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He kind of was like throwing that aside and just say like the energy was just different in there. Like what Paul Azinger did from a pump up and motivational standpoint is like what that team needs. And like, that's not going to come from Davis love. And I think there was some quotes out there this week. I don't know who got him first, but uh, that Davis said like, there needs to, there needs to be a turnover. He, he himself said there needs to be a turnover in assistant captains. Right. And like that energy is just not seeping through a group of guys like ZJ Stricker, 
Furick and Davis love. Like I, I, I like and appreciate all those guys except for CJ. And uh, I appreciate like the effort that goes into this and the care that goes into it. Like Jim Furick has dedicated a huge amount of his career towards just like winning this event that nobody gets paid for Uh separate conversation. And I appreciate that, but it is time for that turnover and it's good to hear them acknowledging it. So, so is it the cat? I think it's the cat. I, I wrote in my piece, I think you offer the cat the next two. I think you treat Beth Page and uh, Adair Manor as as one term. And I think Tiger, you know, of course, we're so close. And, you know, I, who, who knows Tiger better than me, of course. But uh, it just seems like he's in a place in his career now where he's obviously not going to be playing very much competitive golf, maybe plays, you know, the hero and maybe the majors next year. But it's like, I, I think what you need and all the glowing, you know, profiles and stuff that's coming out about Luke Donald in the past week is so clear that he treated it the same way Paul McGinley treated it, the same way a lot of these guys have treated it on the European side, which is like, man, this is a job. This is an actual, like, actual job. That culture stuff doesn't just happen. You don't just pull it out of a box and you don't figure it out on Tuesday night. and You don't figure it out on a three-day scouting trip. Like, that stuff has to have one person thinking about it constantly and thinking about every detail. And that person also has to have like gravity, right? Like some, this is, again, I'm, I'm just projecting and, you know, trying to think through this stuff. I feel like the rah, rah pump up stuff. Like I think the guys would be more into that than people probably think, but it has to come from somebody that's like, no offense to Zach Johnson. It's got to come from somebody that's not Zach Johnson. It has to come from outside speakers. It has to come. And if it's coming from internal people, like the cat's the only guy who, who else are people going to like put their phones down, listen up. I'm fucking talking. Like he just, he seems like the guy and not in like an ego way. Like, I don't even know if he's, you know, I don't think he's, he would be the type of guy that's like, Hey, let me, you know, tell you about my PJ tour victories and all the majors I won. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like whatever he brings to the table has so much more credibility because of all those things, even if he doesn't say them out loud. Yep. I, 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 I'll say closing the book on Hatgate, but I think we're probably years away from closing the book on this one. There's an article in the fire pit collective this week from Michael Bamberger, uh, citing three different people that heard Patrick Cantlay say, uh, you know, when asked by Steve Sands, no hat, he said, uh, uh, I'll wear one as soon as I'm paid more than that guy pointing at Julius Mason from the PGA of America. Uh, it, 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 does that change anything for you for anything we talked about in the last week? I know we've talked, uh, about the kind of the way things went down the last week. I've spoken with Jamie Weir today. We are potentially going to be having him back on the podcast to do a Ryder cup roundup on everything, but I'm wondering if that really changed anything on how you viewed how things played out last week. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard one. Uh, let me, let me gather my thoughts a little bit. What did it change anything for you? Let me, let me start there. It it doesn't. Um, I, I said this last week and I saw say the same thing. There was a story there that Patrick Cantlay and then another story that came out this week that, you know, obviously the Xander Shoffley and then Stefan Shoffley, the ogre has said, uh, has, has made it very clear. They do want paid for this event and PJ of America is not communicating very well on where this money goes and a lot of other people are making money off this thing, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is the story to me. Um, I still think the link between the hat and the, you know, the, the protest or whatever you will, or, or showing the disgust in it. Uh, that link is still a bit tenuous to me. I still don't know the context of Patrick saying this, you know, 
there's all kinds of comments you could you 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 know all all different ways you can say a comment like that and not have it be uh, a protest of some kind. I still have a lot of issues with it, it the the use of the word fracturing the team room. That's the part that the team has steadfastly denied. If all the rest of the team did not know that there was a link between the hat and this money thing, then I tend to think that that was not a thing that was fracturing the team room, which is kind of the length of the link of the whole thing. Uh, I think it was extremely messy, and I, I, I still, uh, and I, and I've mentioned this to Jamie as well. I think they should have been a, a chance to comment, uh, you know, from that from that team to be able to comment on it before it got out into the public and had tens of thousands of people waving hats at them. So I just saw some people kind of taking that as uh, as kind of the oh man, wow, this everything was was right here, and I still feel pretty much the exact same way having read that that story on the fire pit. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's. Do I think that that's as accurate accounting of a recounting of what Patrick said? Like, do I think he said that comment? Definitely. Yes, I do. I trust the people that have sources. And I, you know, I, I think it's all like it's it's all very serious people uh, involved with this, all of this reporting, which is what's kind of tripping me up a little bit about my next point, which is like, do I think that there was some sort of calculated protest with the hat? Like, I I don't man like i that sounds so it just sounds so far-fetched and like candidly like stupid to me like i don't think this i don't know we get just trapped into like thinking everything's a written like a movie or something and it's like i don't think he's sitting there you know writing out his formal protest for this reason this reason this reason like i think he made a flipping comment that might have been a joke or maybe wasn't a joke or maybe there was some truth to it but like to take that as kind of something you know that people overheard and then spinning that into like a very like making that connection to make it a very serious uh accusation is kind of where i start to uh, the thing starts to kind of fall apart for me yeah yeah i think that's that's been litigated at this point and i still think it, it, but to your point like that's where i i would keep coming back to like the money stuff is absolutely a story and i think you know, Patrick's agent didn't comment on it. We have all the Stefan Shoffley stuff. I think Patrick even kind of no commented during the press conference about it. Like there's clearly, clearly, clearly something there that's very, very, very interesting. And it is a very real story. And it just gets thrown into this blender of like who said what and what happened. And he said, she said stuff when you try to tie a stupid fucking hat to it, which makes no sense. Like it just is like complete pointless smokescreen on like the whole like actual story so that that's i don't know that's where i'm at i if i if you'll allow me can i do a transition move here you're talking about stories we're mm. gonna ready to tell some stories today because today was a corn fairy finals and there were some <laughs> stories happening there. this is not a transition into an ad read uh this is a transition to uh introduce our guest who was calling it today on golf channel mr james nitties how are you james good evening thanks for joining us on a sunday Hello, boys. You must have been scraping the barrel to uh, get me in on the show. Glad to be here. <laughs> wow, James is not wearing a hat. Curious what <laughs> protesting Dr. Curious what the protest could be. Yeah, it's interesting. Hats, hats off to that comment. Hats off. <laughs> uh, James, congrats on a fun day, man. It was really, really fun to watch you and Shane uh, tell the stories of kind of one of my favorite days in in golf. What was uh, what was the big takeaway from you? Is this your first year doing it? I believe, right? At least in this kind of expanded, expanded role. 
Uh, second year, so last year was my first year, but uh, this favorite this, day you didn't know that, DJ. Come on, now that's pathetic. <laughs> Come on, we're trying to get as much viewership for Corn Free Tour as possible. Look, it as a past player, there's someone that's been in this position. Uh, look, I, I think I finished 26 back in like 2012 when they gave out 25 cards at Tour Championships. I missed by a shot. Um, I was depressed for around about 12, 13 years. So, oh, like, which say, is, wait, you think you finished 26th? I feel like you would remember if you finished 26th. Yes, I, I think. And I still I still am waking up in a hot and cold sweats uh, thinking about that day. So uh, I don't know if you watched the broadcast, but a couple of my buddies texted me and they said, dude, I could tell you were pretty excited. I'm like, yeah, because I actually felt what these guys were feeling. And look, the whole um, Shad Tootin story, the two-shot penalty, we, we saw it happen in real time. It wasn't malicious. He, it was just a reaction. He, it was lift clean in place. Tell us what happened. Yeah, tell the full story. Set the scene for, for everything that happened if people didn't see it. Yeah, okay. So if anyone wasn't watching, uh, Shad Tootin, a player that's been inside the top 30 all year, uh, kind of a grinder, gritty kind of guy, you know, not the prettiest swing, um, not built like a Kevin Doherty or other guys like Greyhounds that just hit it a mile. So just one of those kind of loner stories and, and I've got to know him. He's a really good, good dude. He, uh, he was right in the thick of things. He's playing the 15th hole par five, needs a birdie, hits it in the left junk, chips it out. Great shot just to get it out. Um, you know, then hits it to about 15 feet on the fringe, makes a putt. We're all going wild because now this, this gets him inside the, uh, the 30. And then uh, Victoria national where they had the tour championships this week, it's one of the toughest courses on the corn free tour probably the toughest five-hole finish on the Corn Ferry Tour, so which is great for viewing for this tournament. But So he's gone par, par, thinks he needs a bogey going down the last, hits it in the trouble, punches out, great shot to get out once again, hits it short of the green, gets up and down for a huge... Um, actually, no, he hit it to the front right of the green, two putts from like 50 feet. So we think he's in the, on the number, and then it comes down the pipeline. There could be a, a rules altercation with Shad Tootin, so he was in the middle of the fairway on the 15th after he pitched out par five, had about 150 yards in, lift clean in place, went down after he'd cleaned his ball to put the ball back down. Apparently it rolled, but we didn't see it on the telecast. So he quickly grabbed it and then changed positions. And if you don't know the rules of golf with lift clean in place, it's almost like playing chess, where as soon as you take your finger or hand off the ball, it's in play. So I think it was just a reaction. He just grabbed it. The ball might have been rolling, and he moved it to a, to two inches right of it. So it it came down to him not knowing this. He, he must have known there was something going on because we heard it pretty quickly after he tapped in on the 18th hole. But it, he, it comes down to him getting a two-shot penalty. He goes from 29th out to 32nd, and uh, Rafa Campos moves inside. So it was just... Heartbreaking stuff. It, look, at least even if he got told that, hey, it's a two-shot penalty at the moment, at least he could have known if he had to finish birdie, birdie. Or, but uh, it it was brutal. Like I felt, I felt sick on air. I was like, this is just, it's not what you want, especially when you've grounded out all day. It led to just an unbelievable interview with Rafa Campos too, who who thought he was out for you know, for 20, 20, I guess actually probably longer than that, probably an hour or so, right. Since he, since he had finished, he had missed that putt on 18 that he thought he had to have. And it was just, it, corn fairy tour posted a, a great interview with him afterwards. And if, if you, 
you know, it's easy, I think, for us to to get very lost in the day to day of like what's going on with the tour, what's going on with elevated events, what's going on with the PIF, what's going on with field sizes, what's going on with all this stuff. And it was just just a great reality check of, you know, the bulk of uh, pro golf and what most what most pro golfers are going through. And it was just an awesome, awesome uh, interview with him. Yeah, and it's Campos, one of the nicest guys on the Corn Free Tour. Loves a chat, could chat underwater with a mouthful of marbles. But he, <laughs> entering the week, I kind of said to Shane when we were on the telecast, so he was 23rd on the points list entering the week. So seven clear of the bubble. And you'd think, okay, there's no way I'm going to drop eight spots and miss my tour card. The, the most movement we'd been seeing week to week was five, five spots. So he comes in, he finishes bogey on eight and then misses a short birdie putt on nine. And we've got all the numbers in front of us. So you can kind of see, all right, what happened, you know, where obviously he's he's gone to 31st, but if it was a, a bogey, he would go to 33rd. If it was a birdie, he'd go to 28th, whatever. So we see it kind of live happening. And I said to Shane, I was like, he's going to do real well to get in. Like it's, he's going to need some real help from the guys out there. And like you said, he'd, He'd have, he had to wait like an hour and a half. So it's uh, he was crying when he came off the green, like tears streaming down. He thought he was never going to make it. And, um, yeah, it truly took something freakishly gut-wrenching to happen for him to get in. And, you know, at the end of a, a bad story and, you know, a tough story, there's always like some light with Rafa. So it's pretty cool. He gets to go back to the PGA Tour now. We're, we're not going to make you do all 30, but uh, I, I highlighted just a list of, of guys to kind of that, that jumped off the page for me of the of the 30 guys that are graduating from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour. I'm going to I'm going to challenge you a little bit on just what sticks out to you, that, you know, as somebody that has been has bounced between these two tours. If you could help us identify what what you think, uh, what, what are qualities in these players that you think might help them stick or maybe might not stick? Right. Well, who are the guys that kind of jump off the page and all the names that I just kind of go through that either had a, a personal reason that I think is interesting or a, a lot of potential. Ben Coles, he wins the list. He finishes uh, first and is fully exempt. Uh, Alejandro Tosti has a lot of fun stories about about him and his personality that's coming to the tour. He was disqualified from a playoff event for uh, basically just disciplinary reasons, which is pretty shocking. We have Rico Hoey, who is uh, he finished fourth this year. Pearson Cootie and his brother Parker Cootie are head of the tour. Grayson Murray heading back to the PGA Tour. Adrian Dumont de Chassart a PGA Tour U graduate that's on his way. Uh, Jake Knapp, absolute banger. The Panda, Norman Zhang. Tom Whitney, a former Air Force nuclear missile operator. Chris Goderup, who won the hot, the Haskins and the Nicholas Award. That's just some of the names that are kind of jumping off the page to me. But what, what, who are the guys in your mind that come to mind of like, okay, look for, look, the, these are the guys that are ready to make the leap. They're getting out of the Corn Ferry Tour where everyone gets kind of blended in a little bit. And once they get to the PGA Tour, they're going to be able to separate. It's, You've kind of hit on a couple of names, and you probably know some of the names that will win on the PGA Tour. I think I, Shane was giving me a little crap today because he's like, "You're handing out wins like Oprah," and I'm like, "Yeah, this guy's going to win. This guy's going to win." <laughs> um, obviously, the qualities you're looking for are the bombers, guys that hit at miles and can putt. That's pretty much what I was looking at. The stats were amazing with some of these guys, but for me, uh, Goderup was a guy that I think is going to win next year. Um, and he had a he had to sack up today. He had he shot two like coming into the week he had to finish top twenty. So you're thinking, okay, probably going to finish top twenty. You know, I'm only seventy three guys playing, but he had to shoot two under on that course to finish right there 
inside the top 20. He dub- doubled 17 too, Yeah, right? he, du- he doubled 17 <laughs> to the point where if he bogeyed 18, his projected was 30th. So with, with mm. what was going on behind him, he comes up, he birdies the last, which is the toughest hole in the world under those circumstances. <laughs> so Goderup, um, I like Pearson Cootie. He's already proven at a, a pretty high level, uh, played pretty well at the Arnold Palmer this season. I think he's going to go close. Toasty, I tell you what, there's some stories circulating about this guy. Um, obviously, I haven't uh, met the guy, but tends to win and play well on tough golf courses. Uh, hits at miles, like he's top three on the Corvary Tour in, in distance for a guy that's barely over 5'6". Um, pretty impressive. So I think he's going to break some hearts and do pretty well on the PGA Tour. ADDC, um, I thought he might have even snuck into the Ryder Cup team if he kept going on with his form when he turned pro. Um, Norman Jong, the panda, like he said, he uh, he won a couple of weeks ago at the Scarlet course, which was kind of US Open-like, and he just boat raced the field. It was impressive. Obviously, you know how good he was coming out of college. I think he could just get hot one week and win by four or five. And then uh, Chan Kim, another guy I think has got the tools you need to do it on the PGA Tour. I don't think the Corn Free Tour is kind of suited towards his game. He he plays well in played well in Japan, won a billion times over there, uh, played a bunch of the majors, played in a fair few PGA Tour events uh, the last couple of seasons. Um, so look out. The, I mean, I could go. I'm very biased. I could Rico Ho. He's one of the best ball strikers I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I could go down the list and I'm a little bit uh, chuffed because I've been covering them all year. But I think this is going to be one of the best Corn Ferry graduate classes of the last couple of years for sure. I think one of the things that sticks out too, I think seven of the 30 guys are PJ Tour U guys. I was wondering if you could kind of speak to that a little bit. I think that was a couple of years ago. You know, there's a lot of a lot of chatter about like, how do we, you know, kind of improve these pathways? How do we get these guys to the PJ Tour faster? And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like kind of a bold faced exclamation point, like mission accomplished on on that front. Yeah, it's it's kind of proven itself. It, it was the waters were tested when you know Hovland and I think Wolf came out, and then when you had Pearson Cootie and then Oberg or Obear, um, the last couple of years kind of proven the fact that it's something that had to be done for a long time. I mean, these guys are, they're traveling on private jets. The practice facilities are better than MIDI to a level. Um, they're playing twenty six to twenty seven events a year in front of TV cameras, um, obviously where the game's gone in with technology and how far they all hit it. It's, I think college golf right now for me feels like college football where it's almost a draft to the PGA Tour. Every year you're going to get five guys that could walk straight onto the PGA Tour. So I think it's a, an amazing program. High Smith, uh, Joe High Smith graduated in 2022 and this kid just got his PGA Tour card today. And also, he, I mean, he finished second two weeks ago and then shoots six under today to get his PGA Tour card. So there's there's another guy that's just walking straight on to the PGA Tour, Mac Meissner, another guy that got his card today. He was PGA Tour U two years ago. Um, I love it. It's It's kind of cool keeping an eye on that program. And there was a lot of mini tour guys. There was a lot of veteran pros that weren't happy. I, you know, I had a lot of whispers. A lot of guys were like, you know, this is bullshit. They can't do this sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, these guys are walking on and winning straight away. So it's kind of proven the fact that the program uh, needed to be in place. 
This is. I think that was the other number that you need stuck to out. The system against these guys. Come on, like, this is about <laughs> yeah, exactly. us. Out us mini tour guys, right? We need to hold back the youngsters. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I think that's the other number that stuck out. I think eighteen of the thirty are rookies, which is kind of like that perfect number, right? Where you have you know a couple guys that you know we we cite Max Homa all the time as a perfect example of a guy that that got the card flamed out, needed to work on some stuff, and got back and you know kind of. Uh, made it made it a lot better in his second act it's it's great to have a good mix i think of of kind of those rookies that you're you're having a pathway where they can they can get right up there but also these guys that can go create a second act for themselves and you know go do things a little better the second time around yeah and you you've still got the stories of the guys that have been scratching the mini tours the mules that you boys call them i mean look at ben griffin probably should have won today and carl yuan he's right there and then eric cole another example of a mule guy played mini tours for 12 years and now he's going to probably get rookie of the year on the PGA tour. So it's, there is still the, the avenue for the, uh, the, the mini tour guy that's going to, you know, create a dream or get onto the PGA tour and do something special. But uh, it, it's just been proven now that the, the youngsters coming through and especially through college are, are just uh, too impressive to, to hold back the opportunity for those guys getting more starts on the PGA tour. Also, I know this is not like the most elegant uh, stat ever. Got to, I can't imagine. Can you imagine the odds of uh, both of your twins making it to the PGA Tour? <laughs> <That's> sick. Um, <laughs> That's well, unfucking believable. I'll be able to, I'll be able to give you those odds. It's um, <laughs> there's only ever been uh, another two twins that have ever made it on the PGA Tour. I, I know, incredible. And I, I had to learn this. I didn't even know it. I don't know if you guys know who it is. It's you know. I looked it up. I had no idea he had a twin brother. Curtis Strange. That's all you know it? Yeah. <laughs> Curtis and Alan Strange. I had absolutely no idea. I did too. I did. It was crazy. I mean, Derek and Daryl Fathauer played in events uh, on the PGA Tour, but both of them didn't have full cards. So the fact that it's yeah. – I mean, in Parker Cootie, what a story. Like your brother goes out, he's already won, I don't know, four times on the – three times on the Corn Free Tour – uh, to this season and then Parker starts the year with conditional status has to start Monday qualifying and then turns it into a PGA tour card it's that's impressive stuff yeah it's awesome well James uh, I think we're gonna invent a new award on top of uh, all the fantastic knowledge you've dropped mule of the week and then we're gonna give you the honorary first award right of uh, <laughs> James Nitty say we really appreciate you joining and dropping some knowledge on us we'll have to have to do this more frequently throughout the fall we greatly appreciate it so Take care, man. No worries. No worries, boys. Thanks anytime. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at the No Laying Up Pro Shop. That is right. Whoa. Merch Czar is buying up the inventory. If you haven't bought from us in the past, it is a great time to take a spin at store.nolayingup.com. We got new Holderness and Born Fall Apparel, limited edition Foot Joy Apparel. We got head covers. We got ladies' gear. We got towels, tees, socks, and more. Uh, the Czar is really pumped about the fall collections that are coming in over the next month and the restocks we just did on our best selling quarter zips and workout t-shirts you can stay up to date with all the new releases and be the first to know about pro shop promos and holiday discounts by signing up for the no laying up emails including our monthly newsletter go to newsletter.nolangup.com to sign up and get a free towel with your first purchase on an order over 50 dollars. that's newsletter.nolangup.com for a free nlu towel with your first purchase offer ends october 31st and don't worry we'll respect your inbox with our email always the merch takes that very 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 seriously so 
Speaking of the merch, side, we got to shout out a couple more names. Mac Gra- Max Grazerman uh, is I, I of course I'm just kind of scanning some of the uh, media guide stuff from Short Hills, New Jersey. So shout out to the Short Hills Sharp, uh, the the Beluga, the merch czar. I know that'll be a new favorite uh, PJ Tour player uh, <laughs> of his. And I think we we breezed past a couple a couple quick things. I don't know if people with all the Ludwig hype. I don't think that our guy. ADDC uh, got quite the credit for what he did on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. He came out and won his first start. Uh, he lost his second start in a playoff, and I think he had top tens in his first six Corn Ferry Tour starts. Like freak, freak, freak stuff. Uh, and of course, the 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 you know latest in a long line of of University of Illinois Belgians. So you know that's that's close to my heart. And then the only other thing was Jake Knapp. You meant you mentioned him as as a real ball hitter. Uh, I believe the clocked club head speed is 126.7, uh, which is slightly faster than the fastest on the PJ tour. Brandon Matthews last year was 126.6. <laughs> so that's a, uh, I think we've both seen Brandon Matthews and what he does to a golf ball. So uh, another one of those coming, it appears also didn't want to do the, uh, the Alejandro toasty uh, story uh, failed to do it justice. Go, just Google uh, Alejandro toasty Monday Q info. Uh, he's got a great article, which is titled, we have a book on him, uh, which is, uh, it just, it does, it goes into some details of, uh, again, how you get yourself DQ'd from an event just for disciplinary reasons. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like a, a worse version of Patrick Reed, which is sick. Hmm. Forward to me. I look forward to sharing some TV time with him. <laughs> That's going to be quite a thrill. As mentioned, the Dunhill has rained out as of now. I did get to watch a little bit of that uh, coffee viewing. It was, it was a delight as usual, but they truly got uh, absolutely run over by rain. Uh, don't have a lot to add to this one other than Yasser was playing it under a pseudonym, which was Andrew Waterman. Uh, then he was his, his uh, standard bearer sign said H-E, uh, which was just fantastic. But uh, what are we doing? Come on. Well, the best be doing that. They were they kind of did themselves dirty early. Uh, Uline was tied for the lead, and the the DP World Tour tweet said uh, uh, two other guys. I forget who it was at the time. Are like player one and player two are are tied for uh, one of the one of three people tied for the lead, and just left Uline out of the tweet. And like, <laughs> guys, come on. It's it's. Uh, I don't know what we're doing here with this merger thing. It doesn't sound great from what we're hearing, but uh, I think we're past at least uh, do that 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 kind of pettiness, which is only going to fire up the bots. Of course, sounds like we've got some resolution coming on the OWGR stuff uh, shortly. I believe I saw a report about that that uh, they're they're close to making their decision on live status uh, with OWGR points. So look out for that, and then. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. It's kind of a weird one with, you know, those guys playing, a lot of the live guys playing in the Dunhill. It was kind of a weird situation where they they had to be non-members in order to be able to get the sponsor exemptions, right? And they got sponsor exemptions from the guy who is kind of the the kingmaker at the uh with the field at the Dunhill. Just a, a bit of a weird weird situation all the way around. Yeah, it's weird. It's uh it, it, you know, individually it's a weird glimpse into like the frustration of this whole thing, right? Which is, Hey, there's this whole, uh, I don't know, agreement that nobody talks about. if you're a member of a tour, which is like, Hey, we got to like all follow by the rules and regulations, right? So they can sell these mass media rights on all these things. Whereas individually, 
Like the sponsors of these events don't really care that much about the whole overall package if they can say, I want this person at my event, right? So if they want to extend, you know, if you look at it through a, through, you know, a, you know, the, the eye of a needle, it's really simple. Like, hey, do you want blah, blah, blah in your event? Of course you do. Like, why wouldn't you? Whereas uh, if you zoom out to understand why that's not easy to apply, uh, it makes a lot more sense from the DP World Tour scale as a whole but yes there's invites that were extended and yeah i I hope they i don't know how they're going to finish this tournament i have honestly not read up enough about see the photos of carnusi oh my god just totally underwater just burns connecting to burns i mean it was just abysmal looking i've never seen anything like that on any in that part of the world i do not see how they're going to play more golf but um that would be a surprise to me God, Andrew Waterman's so good. I just we gotta we, we can't forget about that one. We gotta keep that one around. That's I, I think AW. <laughs> yeah, I will not be calling him Yasser from now on. He's if you're gonna pull stupid shit like this, you're gonna be referred to as Andrew Waterman, I believe, going forward on this podcast. Um, on the women's side, HJ Kim, we have the meets in uh, in Dallas provide context for that no people definitely remember that we uh <laughs> ate at her parents korean barbecue place in wonju <laughs> last last fall how could you ever forget that but uh no that's uh what a week yeah fantastic week she dominated one by five i believe uh bianca pagdanan and atya titikun finished second place uh lexi fifth place finish on her way to the shriners this week taste it haters what do you what are your thoughts on this um i don't know i, I don't I don't want to brush it off. I just, I don't have that many thoughts. I think it's a net positive probably for the event. I'll be honest. I know, uh, Malnati had some, some comments, non-comments, rescinded comments, poorly chosen words. Did you watch it? Did you watch the video? No, I know. He kind of got done a little dirty on, you know, I think he let the gimmick word slip out and then I think quickly corrected himself. He did. It was as soon as he was like saying, you know, I don't think tournaments, you know, need to, you know, resort to gimmicks. And it was immediately was like, I shouldn't say that it's, this is Lexi's not a gimmick, but uh, you know, kind of viewing it through that lens of, of pulling kind of stunts to get, to drum up attention was kind of the point he was trying to make. Which I would refer people to the first 20 minutes of this podcast where I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I, there's not really any reason to watch Thursday, Friday. Am I more interested to watch Lexi or, you know, some of the, the aforementioned mules? Yeah, I'm probably more interested to watch Lexi, to be honest. I'm, I'm at least curious what she's going to shoot. I know there's, plenty of criticism about, you know, why now? And she hasn't really had her best year and she's hasn't been, you know, really one of, one of the, like, um, at least birdies and bogeys wise, one of the stars of the LPGA. She's, she's, you know, always going to be one of the biggest draws as long as she's in the field, but hasn't really been at the top of her game. So it's kind of weird timing, but I'm listen, man, I'm for it. If it's something that she wants to do, if she wants to, I think she obviously has the length to make it somewhat interesting to see what she can do and see if she can make the cut and see if she can hang. And uh, I'm sure it gets the juices going in a very different way for her. So I'm, I'm very much for it. I would, I rather just, you know, competitively, would I rather see a couple other players? Yeah, probably. But you know, other, I think it's female players. Are you saying other female players? I'm saying that are a little more relevant, probably from a competition standpoint this year, but then listen, all the haters come at her and she comes out and has a great week this week. So maybe she's on the cusp of something. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes and I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, interested to see. I, I, I'm in support of this in concept. I think it is, uh, I, I'm I'm worried about how it's going to go uh, for the reasons you mentioned. Like it really hasn't been a strong year. Played great this week. Played decently well at the Solheim Cup, but 
Um, I, I don't know how well it translates for her when she's had massive, massive, massive issues under extreme pressure. Uh, play, if you listen to Annika talk about what it was like to play in a men's event, this is a pressure that's unlike anything. I mean, you, you almost have like the pressure of women's golf waiting on you. And that if it goes really poorly, you just, I mean, sure, you fueled the, the biggest losers on the planet but you you fueled a lot of people that are going to get pretty like you know well you wasted a space on this blah, blah blah which is not how unrestricted sponsor exemptions work i'm way in on this steph curry give them all the spots tony romo give them the spots like it's an interesting use of a, of a spot it, it is i just hope it goes well because again i there's other there's better years for this for her i worry about her on really fast greens like they have there um so i i, I don't know i hope it goes well but i'm worried yeah, I think the pressure thing's interesting too, where I almost look at it as like, I know not a ton of women have done this. I think she's what, like the fifth or sixth? Seventh. I believe, yeah. Seventh. So it, it almost to me feels a little like the, the 59 thing, right? Like you remember when we were, when we were like first probably started watching golf and it was really only like Al Guyberger and David Duvall were like the only guys that have ever done it. And now all of a sudden I... I couldn't even come close to naming the people, you know, that it's not like, quiz. <laughs> yeah, it would be a good sport quiz. But I, I think the Annika things are a lot different when it was like, okay, she's the first one since I assume babe, babe's a Harrius to, to do it. That was like a media circus. That was stop everything. It was at colonial regular season event, you know, kind of like in the like midst of the summer. I think this is going to be m so much quieter yeah, that's true right like there's already so many fewer people talking about this and i think it all it, which is weird right like it's almost it's almost just been kind of a, a little bit of a shrug right which is where i think there's probably limited downside and just like massive upside like if she does play well i think it would be great and people will be really stoked to watch it and it'll be you know really exciting but if she doesn't play well i don't think it's it's getting like you know a bazillion eyeballs on it so I think it's, I don't know. It's a big net positive, I think. Uh, there was also the uh, 10 LPGA cards were handed out uh, on from the Epson tour today. Gabrielle Ruffles, better known as Gabby Ruffles. Uh, she won this year, won three times, I believe, on the Epson tour this year. For <laughs> yeah, I think like three wins and 12 starts. Austin Kim was your Epson tour championship uh, winner. Kind of a, it's kind of cool that those were basically held on the same day, right? You had the, yeah it's every equivalent to the corn fairy tour finals. It's just not on TV, but I mean, it's same pressure and fewer cards and uh, you know, a lot of that stuff kind of going on on the, on the women's side as well, but 64, 65, 65 in uh, rounds two, three, and four for Austin Kim. That's serious golfing of the golf ball uh, 29 on the front today. So Congrats to her. And then, yeah, it'll be fun to see Gabby Ruffles with kind of full LPGA status next year. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of golf play on the Epson tour for 10 cards. That's a, that's a narrow little, uh, little passing through there. This is a uh, runner up was Natasha Andrea Un uh, from Malaysia. She's headed to the LPGA tour. We had Jiwon Yoon. I hope I'm saying that right from Korea. Minji Kang from Korea. Uh, Agatha Lazny from Paris, France. There's 0% chance I'm saying that one right then if she's from Paris. Jenny Coleman, 31-year-old from California. Finished Rock that one. <laughs> Roberta Lida uh, from Italy. Um, and then we have Isabella Fierro from Mexico, as well as Kristen Gilman from Texas. So those are your 10 ladies headed to the LPGA Tour. Um, this is the first year of this event that I haven't made it out to it. Uh, the Furic Constellation Energy Furic and Friends held at uh, 
Sounds uh, like a denial to me. It sounds like you're trying to create an alibi. <laughs> uh, not at my home course, Tim Aquatic Country Club. There was a massive, about as bit bad of vandalism of of greens as I've I've seen. There's a lot of those videos that tend to make their way around social media of greens getting vandalized. I've never seen uh, greens get vandalized two nights before a tournament starts. Looks like somebody took a shovel to four of the greens. Uh, there was an incredible, incredible effort from the grounds crew at, at uh, Tim Aquana. Alan, a shout out to our guy, Alan Brown. Uh, the TPC Sawgrass crew came by. The Makura Golf Group came by. Do, uh, there's some great videos that came from the the, uh, the Champions Tour that showed how they repaired those greens and how it was very unnoticeable watching on television. I'm sure in person it, you can still probably tell, but it seems to have had a minimal, somehow a minimal effect on the tournament. But uh, pretty wild story of somebody uh, breaking in two nights before the tournament starts to to uh you know mess with that event I, I feel really bad for jim the guy puts so much effort into that event and uh has a really strong passion for his charity and has, has put on many iterations of that event it's only been a champions event for three years it was uh formerly a pro-am but uh watching that one up close and watch how much effort goes into it um was a major bummer for that to happen but it looks like it was handled as about as well as it possibly could have been S still no clarity on the the perpetrators only a reckless rumor so far. I'm, I'm mm. looking to, to dig in farther on that, um, but I, I I do not know. I don't know if they're waiting until after the tournament to release that information or what, but uh, no idea who the perpetrators were. So hate that. If you don't hear me on this podcast for several months, just, just assume they caught me. So Yeah, you need to – you know what? I, I, this kind of thing didn't happen when I was living down in Jack's. It's very I true. think maybe people are walking all over you down there, Sally. <laughs> you need to start ruling with an iron fist. Let them know this shit is not acceptable. Uh, I think this was the same day of the massive, massive fire on the hospitality off the first tee at uh, Marco Simone. That was a wild scene. Thankfully, nobody, uh, nobody hurt in that one. Um, I, this is. I, I'm, I'm sorry we didn't start with this. I know you're the most excited about this mm. one, but uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, and Tom Kim joined the TGL. Um, so what, what's what's your let's go down to DJ Pi on the ground for his immediate reaction to this. Uh, that's great. That's, that's great. I've, I'm thrilled for them, man. I'm thrilled for whatever team they're playing for. I can't wait to watch them do whatever this is. Uh, I think my whole thing with TGL right now is still cautious optimism. I think I've, I've, I've said this a number of times. I love the idea of how they're going to package it. I love the idea of like kind of making it feel a little more like a video game like i think kids are going to be into it obviously with the espn announcement like the distribution's not a problem it's going to be on in some households but as people have pointed out like so is slam ball and i don't hear a lot of people you know they're not really coming up to me with tears in their eyes talking about the slam ball results uh so what's weird about it is i feel like every and this is probably just a conversation for like some specific PR people, but it's like every note that I hear about it is like some business development like announcement, right? It's like, oh, such and such has taken a key ownership stake in such and such team. And here the naming rights for the stadium have been have been announced. And you know, this is what this logo is, and this is what the, and I'm like, I still know what the fucking thing is. Like I don't even know what the sport is. Like, can we can somebody start there? Can somebody explain to me what the hell this thing is? Like is it a it's a it's team sort of, but like are they playing are they is everybody playing at once? Are they playing it like one team versus one team is it games is there a season what like what is any of it other than just like it all just feels like a one big like sports business journal announcement without any actual 
details. So uh, I, that's my that's my rambling analysis of. Congratulations right. to Tom Kim and <laughs> and Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton and Shane Lowry. I, I'm excited to see them jump aboard. I hope it's an entertainment product to answer your question. I hope it's uh, it has to be lighthearted. And the only, I think the only way it can go wrong is if they take this competition thing too seriously. I'll say the same thing I've I've said uh, frequently on this. Holy moly, gets like two and a half million viewers per episode, and which is a lot more than the PGA Tour usually gets most events. So there's room in golf for more a, a better entertainment product than what the PGA Tour puts forth. I think this is going to be very it's golf adjacent. I mean it's. It's golf, but it's on a screen, right? So I hope they don't take that part too seriously. Like, let's not pretend like this is a real serious thing. If you want to watch Tiger Woods play golf, this is the capacity it's going to be in. Like, it's that's just the reality. It's going to be in prime time. It's at night. Uh, it's on Tuesdays to start. I don't know if it eventually goes to Mondays once Monday Night Football is over, but ESPN is going to have the distribution. Uh, I'm holding out optimism for it to be entertaining. Uh, the players are going to be mic'd up. They're really hyping the technology aspect of this, uh, which I again, we've had TrackMan for a long time and there's been screen golf for a long time. I don't know what the variable is there. And I hope that is not a big, uh, you know, a, a whiff on that front of, of overhyping the technology. But uh, I, again, this is not really even golf. Uh, I am not um, I, all that to say, like I, I have some hope that it could fill a niche. It could be an interesting product. That's where I'm at too. And I think there's, I think there is a lot of, positives to the like what i think is the concept yeah <laughs> i just don't know if like i'm on the right page or not but i think one of the things we complain about all the time and uh, we don't have to do 20 minutes on the tgl but like one of the things we complain about all the time is like man i don't know what makes this guy different from this guy right like all i'm i'm trying to catch snippets of these guys golf shots between commercials is basically my experience of watching pro golf I don't really know that much about Tyrrell Hatton. I don't really know that much about Shane Lowry. I don't ever get to see them mic'd up. I don't really get to see them interact with, you know, we get to see it maybe a little bit in practice rounds and press conferences. And, but like most people don't get to see any of that stuff, right? Unless somebody has already won the tournament and you might get to talk to them after in like a winner's immediate reaction thing, like we saw with Luke List today. So my hope is like, Maybe a little bit of the shit talking, maybe a little bit of the like interacting with people like that seems like it's just good context builders for, you know, for just pro golf at large, which I think is a big positive. And like I said, it's probably a good way to get kids involved and help them create favorite players and figure out who they like to watch. And maybe it's all one big bridge. Uh, but as the telecasts continue to remind us, like, there still has to be a, a there there like the product still has to actually be good otherwise it's all kind of like this weird you know pyramid scheme towards something that never actually pays off uh, i'll say this too i mean i would preach a little patience with it i doubt the first iteration is going to be like musty tv right i think they'll hopefully take what works chop out what doesn't and yeah. and, and and build it from there i think it maybe i guess devil's advocate i would say what among any of the people involved, uh, who has earned the benefit of the doubt at all? <laughs> what would you think? Like, it feels a little, I don't know. You're starting to feel a little dare banner. Uh, maybe this one's going to be different. <laughs> I would you say like, for the match. Do I think there's been a lot of culture, culture building going on behind the scenes. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, the match iterated, you know, like it, it got better and the mic'd up stuff got better and that flowed dif differently. That's I don't true. know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know, man. 
All right, let's wrap it with this. We teased it earlier. I know people cannot wait to get to it. I'm sure many people fast forwarded just Mm. to get to this part of the show. Uh, DJ, talk me through your iron fitting process here, how how things have evolved for you over this past year and what you ended up in. Spoiler alert, I think it's what everybody else has ended up with amongst us. Almost everybody else, yeah, except the big guy. Uh, Initial, so when we first made the move to Titleist, I think we've talked about this and we did a video about it, but we... We all went out to Oceanside, went to the, the TPI out there, worked with their fitters, uh, which was an awesome, awesome experience. And I got fit into the T100s, which I absolutely loved, uh, still love. They're they're still in my garage. But they, um, I think I had kind of like a, a bit of a come to Jesus moment when, because I, I had the same mess, Solly, I think you probably had too, because I know we talked about it, it was like, when you would miss them, you felt like you really missed them. A lot of them short, right. Right. And it wasn't just like a, you know, there was like awesome workability with the one hundreds for me. I felt like I could work it both ways. And when I flushed it, I felt like the best player in the world. But when I did miss it, it was, I wasn't consistent enough to really like avoid those, those kind of like big short misses. So it was like, if I needed it to fly one sixty five. And I missed it. It might fly 140. And that was putting me in a lot of trouble spots. And so I was really in need of just a little bit more consistency distance-wise on you know, what were like more of the mishits. And I think the come to Jesus moment I was referring to was when uh, we got to Hawaii and we're looking at uh, Jordan Spieth's bag. And I'm like, oh man, we're playing the same irons. Like one of us... <laughs> One of us is probably playing the wrong thing or like, you know, I don't think this is how this is supposed to go. So, you you know, I trust Jordan, like you've, you've probably got your stuff dialed or at least mostly dialed, uh, me, you know, maybe there's some room for improvement and mentioning some of that, uh, to the titles people, they're like, Oh my God, you were going to absolutely love the one fifties, which was kind of the, the solve for a lot of. I think the issue that we had, which was, you know, kind of those short right balls and maybe some like more inconsistent contact. And the 150s are a good bridge between kind of the T100s and the T200s, which I have at the top of my bag. Do you have a combo set at all? Or you play 150s all the way through? used to. The the, the fitter um, gave a a famous line, a now famous line. A lot of people come up to me and say this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I use a T200 two iron or uh, four iron. Uh, in my fitting, he goes, not anymore. You don't. Here's wow. your specs with your T154 iron. I had no idea that's where that lag came from. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Uh, so I have a mix, a, a mix set. So I had the 100s up until four, like the, through the five iron. And then my four iron was the T200. T200s are rocket launchers. So they explain all this stuff really, really well in the fittings. And, you know, the kind of snowman, they call it like the snowman approach where they measure everything by ball speed and you're, you're just, I think it's five mile an hour difference in ball speed between each club is what they're looking for. So eventually with the one fifties, I was getting like such good ball speed on like my six iron that I wasn't able to keep that up with the same one fifty. uh, am I explaining that the right way? I wasn't able to get five miles an hour more out of the one fifty five iron. So like, okay, we're going to need some more weapons grade, stuff so they put me in the 200s for my four and five iron to keep those gaps all similar um but the 150s what i've really really loved is i mentioned that kind of weak right miss has been totally eradicated i feel like my distance control is much much better i feel like i'm even when i feels like i miss them a little bit and i'm expecting to see the ball kind of 
plug in the face of a bunker or whatever, I, I still feel like I'm getting it to the front of the green, which is that massive, massive change and just kind of makes a lot of doubles go away. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Yeah, just the just piercing, man. It just yeah. uh I can I can hit a um a better controlled kind of knockdown with it too. Um it's spinning less for me. It's flying really far. It does it also when I need to get it up in the air, it can do all those things. It just feels like it's got so much flexibility. The T100s for me, it was just like a, I still feel like I need an iron that I can mash on and get a bonus five, find a bonus five yards out of when I need to. And I couldn't do that with those for whatever reason. Like I think if, but if you ask like Max about his iron fitting, he's like, dude, I want a nine iron that like, no matter how hard I swing and it can't go farther than insert yes. like, like that's how they play it. And that's just not how I don't hit it consistently enough to do that. Like I need to have that boost on the slight miss hit. That's going to cover a water hazard if we need to clear that. And I don't need to feel like I'm holding on for dear life. So that I've definitely got that out of them. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to see. I, my handicap's down. I'm down around like a six now right. after being. Can I was. I, I was. Can I share this? Out there. Yeah. Can I share this? There was a text I got, uh, a Slack message I got that said, uh, "I don't know if I can make the trip to Rome." This was right before the ride, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, this kind of throws all of our plans for a loop." Like, what happened? And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm just playing too good. Like, I can't lose right now. I'm playing. I'm, I'm hitting the ball too good. I can't leave right now." I was like. Oh God, you had me for like a half a second, but the, uh, yeah. And the club change is is a big, big part of that. The, you know, shout out to the trap draw. We always do our goals podcast at the beginning of the year. Uh, the birdie, the birdie chase throwing a number out there of just like, I, I really am trying to get to a hundred birdies has nothing has made me want to go play more golf than that. I don't know that I'm playing any better and I, hopefully I'm not like freaking out every time I have like a good, you know, makeable birdie putt, but, uh, that's been a really good, you know, where you at, um, uh, right around like 80 right now. So it's getting cold. It's gonna out be, there. I know it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Uh, I've got the NIT coming up. We've got another golf trip in December. And then I was literally, I was talking to Justine today. I was like, you know, I might, I don't know what, what the Sweetens house is looking like. I might need to just go camp out, uh, for like two, three days and just, you know, try to play like a hundred holes a day and, you know, just, just try to knock them off, but, uh, it's gonna be tight. We're going to, you know, I'm going to make my best effort, but if it comes up short, it's not for lack of trying this year. I promise you that. I love it. Well, I hope we get to play some golf together soon. It's been quite some time, but, um, we only hang out in Rome. That's very true. It's the only place I've seen you in the last like six months, <laughs> I think apparently, but all right, we didn't do it. We thought we'd do an hour recap in the fall. It just doesn't happen anymore. Too much to too much to chat about. We thank James Nitties for jumping on. Um, really a lot of golf this week to cover. But uh, Pie Man, thanks so much for the time this evening. Thank you to everyone that is tuning in during football season for an hour and a half of golf talk. Uh, we will get to some more topics this fall. I know I threw that out last time to say we need some topics for the fall. Uh, this week ended up having a, a fair amount to, to still chat about off Ryder Cup and things like that. But it will run dry this fall. I can promise <laughs> you that. So keep sending those in. We'll get to a bunch of those this fall. And we will see you back here next week. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!